The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Uh, we are in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. It's page 1178 in the Bibles. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God bless the reading of the Lord. Uh, I'm actually trying to, while Cameron was speaking, I was trying to discern whether or not um, I was going to change my teaching. Um, so let's just take a moment. Um, and if, if those of you that don't mind praying, I just need to discern something very quickly. So let's just do that. Father, I want my words to be your words, and I don't want something that you're saying to me that is for me to disrupt what we need to talk about today. So, Father, would you, in these few seconds, clarify what um, you want to be said? Lord, we thank you for being a spontaneous God Uh, in times when we write songs about you being slow or in the valleys or in the darkness. But Lord, you really are with us all the time, and we thank you for that. And um, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This past week, I had a chance to talk to um, a lady that is like, man, she's like a lightning bolt um, in regards to just intensity all the time. And we've talked about this in this joy series about how some people just seem like they're just on their A game in regards to joy every day of the week. Um, And I do believe that that is actually true for this lady. She's mastered the art of eternal thinking. If I could just say it that way, she's really mastered the art of eternal thinking. But yet she wasn't talking to me about Jesus for the first time um, when I was with her this week. She was talking to me about food. Um, there's apparently, I don't know his name, uh, some of you might, but there's a, a, a very popular chef in Baltimore right now that is renting out venues and doing these pop-up restaurants. Any of you guys familiar with what I'm talking about? Some of you? There might, no, none of you. All right, so apparently she needs to come here and tell you about it. Um, but apparently this particular chef is getting such a following that he's not attached to a restaurant. He is actually just going online and saying, I have this many people I can serve this night, and he's selling out like within an hour. And people are just showing up, and it's an entire dinner experience. So it's not just that you come and you get a good meal, but you walk into a room that's not generally a restaurant, and he's De- he's got he's hired decorators to create a theme. The food that is presented is presented like individually made plates that I can't even begin to talk to you about how they're made. But like the food is cooked on the plate, 
so that when it's presented, it's come right out of the oven on the plate in the exact shape, size, color, whatever. And so this guy has just totally perfected presentation. And then not only does it look good, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience, but have you ever been disappointed when you bite into something that looks good, but then you're like, whoa, this was such a lie, right? <laughs> but apparently that is not what people have been experiencing with this, with this particular chef. And this lady was, like, she was lit up about this particular meal that she had experienced and some smoked salmon plate with all this other stuff that I couldn't even spell, let alone understand what it was that was a part of this particular meal. And then when I finally got her to take a breath, I just said, man, I wish people could talk about Jesus that way. That you have just got to come meet Jesus You've just got to come. If you taste him, oh my, well, he is God. Um, he, it is Jesus. It is so good. And if you have needed to taste a good meal, he is the one that you need to taste. And But yet, so often, we are so reserved in how we talk about Jesus. We have made it so logical or um, academic the way that we try to present Christ. And we've removed all the joy and all the emotion. And I think a lot of it does have to do with fear, with being associated with brothers and sisters that have failed to be a good example of Christ. And so therefore we have dialed back our enthusiasm because we don't want to be associated with people that have said things about Christ that we know are not true. And so we then say, well, it's better for me not to say anything. And if by chance they bring it up, I'll be truthful with them, right? But yet... When I think about the songs that we just sang, the, the songs were written by people, obviously led by God's Spirit, to say to you and I, whether you are in darkness, he is light. Whether you are hungry, he is food. Whether you are under incredible distress, he is your strength, he is your rescue. And how could that not be good news? How could that not be excitement? Because the identity or the, the reality of everything we're saying in this joy series can be summed up in the Galatians 5 chapter that we read on Friday as a church in this joyous fruit readings that we've been posting for, for you guys to follow along with. And if you didn't read Galatians 5, Paul is summarizing the joy of his teaching to them by saying to them, your faith in all of your circumstances should be expressed in love. And I just was just dripping with that this week and the whole weekend, thinking about when the fires get turned up in my life, when I am the most assaulted, most misunderstood, most accused of things that I don't believe I should be accused of or, or whatever, just like the enemy is accusing, the enemy is heaping guilt and shame, the enemy is trying to confuse, steal, kill and destroy. At the end of the day, my faith, in the midst of all that, should be manifested in love all the time. And joy is us realizing that our faith can stay strong no matter what our circumstances are so that we can lift our hands up a little higher in the midst of all that. It doesn't mean that my stresses go away and then I lift my hands up. I am lifting my hands up all the time because my gaze is not on this, my my, my gaze is on Christ. I'm glancing at my circumstances like we talked about last week, but I have fixed my eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of my faith. 
And so last week we talked about, in, in, in chapter 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in us is going to perform it until Christ returns. So for the lack of good judgment, I'm going to ask you guys, especially you introverts, to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to say, you are under construction. All right? All right. And now turn the other way and say, you are not perfect. And now I'm going to put, I'm going to have uh, a slide placed up that says God does not, God is not finished yet, which is good news. And now I want all of us out loud to say this together on the count of three. God not finished yet which is good news, all right? So thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah, one, two, three. We need to do that again. But let's go back. Philippians chapter 4. We've been reading this out loud together each week, and I want to make sure that we read it again out loud, and I want to recall, re- help you to remember the exclamation point so that we don't have to waste time saying the first sentence again. All right? So here we go. Together, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Um, There was a, I am old now. there was a quote that I wanted to make sure that I read, and I put it on a slide for you. Um, Ruth Graham said this. Um, she says, I saw a sign on a strip of highway once that I would like to have copied on my gravestone. It said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. Uh, do we really need to say any more? I mean, think about the conflicts that we're having with one another. Think about the disappointments, the hardships, And I'm not talking about just like nations warring against nations and the generational tribal influence between certain peoples around the world. I'm talking about just in this room. Let's think about the the moments of pain that we've experienced together, the disappointments. I've heard recently, and I can't remember where it was. I can't give the credit, but I'm going to look it up to give the credit to who said this the first time. But I heard it said that disappointments are measured in ounces, but regrets are measured in tons. It's, and we've got to be careful because some of you are falling victim to the enemy because there's things that have happened in your life and you're regretting them and you won't get out from underneath the weight. You are keeping the weight on you. Others of us are letting disappointments mount up and sometimes we're giving it disproportionate amount of focus. But I love what she was saying here. I mean, could we not start and stop every cup of coffee with a friend for accountability purposes with... Do you not realize I'm under construction? 
and then let them say, do you not realize I'm under construction? Can we be patient with each other? And then continue on in our conversation? Recently, well, last week, we talked about how our faith needs to be planted, watered, weeded, and then we need to wait. I think we need to make sure that we bring that back into today, is that so much of our faith is us learning how to be agricultural in our faith. Like, I have got to develop the disciplines of knowing what planting looks like, what watering looks like, what weeding looks like, and then what waiting looks like. And so today, what Cameron read to us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 through 11, I believe that Paul is really trying to communicate something to us today that I think is invaluable, and that is, is that God is faithful. Okay? I, I want us to understand this. Any doubts we have about God not being good is from the enemy. Any lack of hope that we have is not from God, it's from the enemy. Any lack of anything good, anything that would be of anger or rage or anything that is frustrating you and I, I want you guys to understand if it breaks our heart is breaking God's heart. And the only way that we're going to move forward is if we have the understanding of Paul that he was having when he was stepping in to this particular church and writing them letters um, to encourage them and to bring them up is because Paul knew that joy is connected to God and reserved for those who are tapping into his reservoir and who are connected to his life. This is what Paul was saying to the early church is that God is the sole proprietor of joy. There is nobody else that has a right to joy. Now, there are things that make us happy. Many times, the things that lead us to happiness become temporary idols that then steal our joy because our enemy and our adversary knows that joy is so much richer than happiness and that they have perfected joy in eternity. Like, in the throne room of God... The posture of everyone for eternity is joy. Now, some people like to to picture that like a rock concert because they love to express themselves through some sort of music. Others view it as a beautifully displayed art gallery. Others, it's fine food all the time. Whatever it is, joy is above anything that you and I can ever hope for. But yet, at the same time, it is our hope. Because we get a chance to glimpse it. We get a chance to see it. We get a chance to know what it is that we're looking for. Because joy is rooted in God's kingdom. It is immovable. It is unshakable. Joy is available at all times of day or night. And that can be even in an imagery term, like a poetry, like the darkness of my night of my life. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the sun has gone down, but the sun has gone down on your hopes and dreams. And you are finding yourself in and God's joy is available to us as quick as Thanos could snap his thumb. I just want you guys to understand this, all right? Is that you and I can be in a situation where on a moment's notice, in the darkest of despair, we can just say, Father, I am looking for that box of joy. I need to get my hands on it. And this past week, in the last couple of weeks as we've gone into this series, there's been a disproportionate amount of time in my life where I'm having to discern it. There's been so many moments in my life this past week where I've been preaching my sermons back at me while I've been in the fire. 
and dealing with the disappointments and the ways that in which people have viewed my life as failing them or ways that pain has been brought up. And I've been sitting here thinking, Father, my spirit seems crushed by the criticism, by the disappointment. And my automatic defense system is on alert. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When you feel like you are being... Um, accused falsely or you feel like that things just aren't going your way, it is like you have some sort of satellite guidance system around you and it is engaged. And you no longer look to be a compassionate source of love. You no longer are looking to bring peace. You have declared war. And so much about our life is to be able to hit the disarmament button and to say, I can't throw any stones here. I can't fire any missiles because of Christ. And so, so much about who we are is learning in the midst of life, in the midst of the disappointments, in the midst of the regrets, in the midst of the bad decisions, in the midst of other people making bad decisions that impact us, is for us to be able to have a simple prayer is, God, you are my source of joy. Father, I choose you right now. I choose you because I know in your kingdom and in your presence, there is nothing but pure joy, so I am choosing that. So would you lift the veil between me and heaven right now because I need that joy to pour out on me. And we don't change zip codes. We are still in the same place that we were. The same people are around us. The ground has not opened up and swallowed them. There are no bears running out of the woods and devouring them, right? Some of you are like, where does that come from? That's the Old Testament. All right. We'll talk about those things later. But that's not how Jesus solves it. He leaves you there and empowers you to stand. Or to kneel. He leaves you there. Because when he leaves us in the midst of that, then the light of Christ then shines. And so joy in us is us realizing that the more that I practice this, the more I'm developing the value systems of God. Which Let me just give you some highlights from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was kind of talking about the value systems of heaven. In the value systems of God, character matters more than comfort. Okay, I want you guys to hear this. And we don't have time. You just go back, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You can read this. I am summarizing so that the sermon isn't an hour like last week. Uh, you notice I deleted my wife from the teaching. Yeah. But God, God values character over comfort. Now, here's another one. And this is important, especially in the, the, the scriptures, because in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, the command to not fear is the, is the most often given command in the Old Testament. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, was like, you know what? Faith is over fear. Mercy is over judgment. Justice is over injustice. People over possessions. Truth over lies. And it's funny, based on a conversation I had with a couple getting married um, very soon, um, humility over pride. There was actually, that's meant to be funny, not serious, because they're from different nations, and um, never mind. But humility (laughs) over pride, hope over despair, and love over apathy. In God's economy... Those things are what bring 
him great joy. And it's when we're connected to those things and we water those things and we weed those things and we wait for it to grow that you and I, on a moment's notice, under the most distress or the happiest moments of our life, we can choose joy. Before I say anything, I just want to clarify, Ellis did not delete me. It was by my choice and by my asking. I needed just a little less responsibility for the teaching this week, so it had nothing to do with him. Um, just want to clarify. Um, but I want you to look at this next quote. Um, it says, and this is by Mike Mason. He's a Christian author. The direction of joy isn't always up. Often to be joyful, we must go down, down through the noise of racing thoughts. Amen, right? Mm -hmm. Down through the swirling chaos of circumstances. Thank you. Down through the deceptive appearances of life. And I have seen this next phrase as a theme, and even in our songs this morning. Down into the still waters and green pastures at the heart's core. And with that, of course, it reminds us of the beautiful Psalm 23, and I, of course, want to quote that for us this morning and lead that to us, although I know that lengthens our time, so I'm not going to. But depending on what translation you read, that the first phrase in that passage, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Talk about making a connection between our trust and our joy, like we talked about last week. He is trustworthy. He is good no matter the circumstances. So joy can grow in us. That is truth. But we have to choose it. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you a question as I'm so good at asking you questions. What are you willing to do in order to help that joy grow in your life? It's not going to happen automatically. It is not going to drop in your lap, as we've talked about. You're going to have to fight for it and choose it. Joy results from intentional choices to think differently, to act differently, and to feel differently. And there are specific actions you can take, and we're going to continue to hopefully give you some challenges of things that you can do in order to nurture that seedling of joy that's trying to grow in your life. Because the truth is that if you have not yet faced hurricane velocity winds, you will at some point face them. And this morning, we're going to invite um, our brother and sister, Lana and Fasso up, to share in real life story of how they have endured hurricane velocity force winds and still tried to nurture that plant of joy in their life because all of us, our desire is that our joy will grow into a robust, mature plant so that no matter the circumstance, joy is there along with the track of sorrow. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, you guys, welcome them, please. Yeah. Now, the danger for us is, is that we could just get lost in some conversation um, because it has been such an amazing journey getting to know both of you. But I um, really want to just start with a simple question. Like, what circumstances were in your life that uh, challenged your ability to have joy? And could you share that story with us this morning? Um, I guess I'll start with, I guess, a recap of the past uh, three years. Um, in the past three years, um, 
my family lost uh, my mom to her battle with cancer. Um, less than a year later, I was diagnosed with cancer. And less than a year, well, about four or five months after that, my dad passed away. Um, basically all within the last two years. Right. So I'm just, I'm just summarizing that. That's both parents. Yes. Plus you had to fight cancer. Yes. Um, and it wasn't just like... And they were newlyweds. Yeah. And you got, you're three years married now? Three years now. So three years married, um, loss of both parents and, um, and cancer. And the, could you explain to everybody the type of cancer you faced? I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, they caught it pretty early, but it was still pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Um, developed a mass in my neck, a couple of pinions, a couple of surgeries later, and was diagnosed with cancer. And um, I'm in remission now, so yay, yeah, praise yeah. God for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lana, how did, how did that, how did, I mean, you said yes, and you had no idea what you were saying <laughs> yes to, right? I mean, goodness gracious, on this wedding day. Yeah, not much of a honeymoon phase, yeah, actually, yeah, rough you, in real you life. Just literally just jumped in to a wave. Um, how did it affect you? Um, Fausto always says that there's no, like, book, you know, that it was given to me on the wedding day, like, how to deal with your mother-in-law passing away, your husband dealing with cancer, and then your father-in-law. Like, they had different... Um, diseases and different circumstances led them to uh, passing away, but it was just a very different grief that Fausto experienced. Because with his mom, we kind of had, quote-unquote, time to understand that, you know, the health is declining, we're totally, like, we're seeing it, even though it still does not prepare you in any way. But then with his dad, it was just a rapid, like, one day he was here and one day he wasn't. And um, it was definitely, like, how do I carry the weight, you know what I mean? How do I, like, who do I lean on? Who do I talk to? Like, how do I be that person who provides a safe space to share, to, like, cry, I don't know, to not talk about anything at all? Um, So I was trying to be, um, like, very, I guess, like, sensitive in prayer, like, God, what what does today look like for us? So that was my main. And with his cancer, um, the most thing I was concerned about with him not losing weight and not losing through chemo, um, a lot of patients just throw up all the time. And sorry for the TMI, but um, that's the reality of it. And um, with that, you lose all the nurturing you got from food that you had yesterday or whatever else. So I was just looking up ways, like being practical. I'm very practical. For those of you who know me, I'm like looking up things that he can eat, that things that he can like um, to continue eating um, so that he doesn't lose weight and can continue like facing chemo that takes away so much from you. Mm. Yeah. And also, I mean, man, we're really asking you to take a huge step with us today. And, uh, and even I don't even know the weight of the words I'm asking of you. But yeah. could, you could you just try to explain us like how this impacted you i mean how did it, how did it affect you like what was your response to all of this it sucks yeah. <laughs> um honestly uh i guess it comes back to joy and it comes back to perspective i can i can dwell and i do dwell on the loss of my parents or i can dwell on the quality of the relationship i had with them and what mm-hmm. i developed with them because i i can say that i'm um I turned 30 in, in a couple of weeks, and throughout the time that I had them, 27, 28 years of my life, I had significant quality compared to other people that may have, may still have their parents. I was able to see example of 
you know, Christ-like uh, men and women. I was able to see testimonies. I was able to see, unfortunately, a blueprint on how to deal with my cancer when I went through it. Um, but overall, it really has shaken up everything. Like, you can, you can be 30, 40 years old, and you can still feel abandoned. And because you don't have that mom's embrace and that dad's embrace, and, and there's nothing that can change that. My aunts are incredibly loving. Our pastors have embraced us. Like, like, thank you guys for that, have embraced us. My sister, everyone has really been there, but there's nothing that can replace that. And even, you know, as a grown man, it's like I can find myself, like, just curling up and just feeling you know, just abandoned, for lack of a better term. But that's where God has really stepped in and really given us that comfort throughout, you know, the trials in the past couple of years. Yeah, and Lana, how did you um, help Tasso on a bad day? Yeah, when he was, curl- <laughs> when he was curled up, and, yeah. for example. And, 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 not not, ju- and not just the physical bad day, but like right. the spiritual, emotional right. bad day. Struggling to be reminded of the good and the reasons to celebrate. Yeah, um, I think we just... My mom makes this joke all the time that we talk a lot to each other. Like, we were driving somewhere on the way in the car back home in Russia, and it was like a three-hour ride. And she was like, guys, you just don't stop talking to each other for the whole three hours. Because we speak in English, and they don't understand it. Um, so it just seems like one big sentence to them for three hours. Um, so we just, honestly, we just talked. And when there was space, and I was like, how are you, like, how are you feeling? What, what is it on your heart? And sometimes be like, oh, I'm frustrated with work. I'm like kept maybe asking and prompting sometimes to take it out digging. of him. Yeah, I kept digging. <clears throat> but sometimes it was just, you know what, you can just be silent. And sometimes we would um, just do some worship at home. Um, he would play bass, and we would just put on worship music and kind of like sing through it, maybe the songs that Mommy liked and um, like some of the hymns back home, which is Andrew, yeah. props to you. When yeah. hymns are played here, it's just... It's a lot of like, overwhelming joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say something, Alana, at least throughout, like, specifically, like, my treatment, she learned to read me really well because there were days when I just didn't want to do something because I just didn't feel like it, and there were days that I couldn't do anything. And she learned to grasp which one of those days it was. And she was very helpful with that and acknowledging which day was which. Yeah, and what, what disciplines did you have in this process to help you think clearly? I mean, you, you mentioned all this stuff about focusing on how your mom fought cancer and set an example yeah. for you. I mean, the perspective, I mean, literally you've, you've said some things that are just real treasures, but how, I mean, this is reflecting back, but when you were in the fire of it all, so yeah. to speak, um, what, what helped you keep your eyes fixed on what was true? So I guess a couple of things. Uh, one of those um, was we as Christians tend to celebrate joy after we got the blessing. And the joy isn't the blessing, the joy is the blesser. So it's like, this is, I'm being really open, but one of the things that I was challenged throughout my cancer was my mom had just passed. Completely different cancer, completely everything, but you still, it's, it's hard to not relate. And my question was like, okay, but what if, what if I don't get healed? And then God's response to me wasn't like, but I'm here. It was, but what if I don't? Do you still love me? Am I still God to you? Am I still your, your just? Am I still your father? Mm-hmm. If if the purpose for your life is that you can be a testimony for for in that way, and that was really hard because it was like, oh man, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't I don't know what my answer to that. I don't know if I still love God if that's the answer. And that's me being 100 percent honest. Um, another thing that helped me was um, a lot of times we ask like 
you know, what's keeping you from your joy. And what we're really meaning to ask is why don't you have joy? Because what and why are two different questions. What is the circumstance? Why is the reason why we don't have the joy? So I can, the circumstance was my mom passing or me having cancer. The why was, wasn't, you know, she's not here anymore. That's the what. Like, what is keeping me from joy is the grief of losing my mom. But why is that keeping me from joy? And that really makes you dig. So the why for me was, okay, it's not because she passed. It's because I believe God could heal, and he didn't. So that kept me from having joy. It's when you start digging and start asking yourself, why is it that I don't have the joy right now? It's not the what. We can, life is hard, you know, ups and downs, is, you know, some of the quotes. And you can have a lot of days where you can spell out the reasons as to why you don't have joy. But if you really sit down and think, but why are these things keeping me from joy? It's because a lot of times we're defining the, you know, our view of God as, as the circumstances that we have. So, well, my God right now isn't good because I, my circumstance isn't good, and that's not true. God is still good. And, you know, it, it's funny, the verse that you read earlier, I'm sorry, I had something <laughs> prepped, um, I didn't realize this, but I, I had like highlighted um, something after. Um, verse Philippians 1, verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, uh, that was, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard because, like, you know, when I think, okay, so my mom passing, my dad passing, me having cancer, all within two years is to advance the gospel. I'm selfish. I don't want to advance the gospel in that way. Like, I'll preach, I'll spread it, you know, but that's the reality of how God has chosen. And honestly, I've been able to speak to so many people because of it. And in hindsight, I'm like, okay, if I were to have to do it again, I would. Um, But basically, those two things were the ones that really kept me is why don't I have joy and really analyzing, okay, but what is the root of, of, of maybe my bitterness? Maybe it's pride. What is the root of the thing that's keeping me from having joy? Um, and another thing is acknowledging that joy is not the blessing, and joy is not the positive prognosis. D- joy did not come from the doctor telling me that I was in remission. It did not, and it won't, you know, God willing, moving forward. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I think, did anybody write down that um, it's not the blessing, it's the blesser? I, um, I mean, that really is a lot to just think about um, today. Um, you know, Lana, what are you doing in the midst of all of this to kind of guard your faith? Yeah, um, I had uh, one of the, the reading plan psalms, actually. Um, that's been my, I think, my clinging and just like my safe place um, that I've been reading throughout this whole three-year process, um, Psalm 43. And um, starting from verse 2, you, God, you are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your, and your faithful care. Um, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Um, and it sounds very, like, Christianese, but honestly, all the time since I've been a Christian, it's about five years now, all those investments of time, like, you know, devotionals that you read or people that you speak to or even the songs that we sing at church, like, that's an investment that you're just bulking into storage of sorts that one day you're going to use. And honestly, it carried me through a lot of stuff. And I've seen the way his mom fought, and she had a Bible every day in her hand and just reading on the couch, and despite of, like, throwing out 15 minutes later, she was just still doing that, and... 
you know, it was the, um, just the faithful, um, I want to say, practices that she kept. Um, and it was like, you know what, I can't stop now, you know. And um, a lot of it was having work as well, somewhere to go to, to do something, um, not just sitting at home. Like, I was so um, happy that Faso was able to keep his job to also go somewhere. That was a, a blessing because you can just sit in your room and you can lose it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that was a huge blessing, but the investment of, of um, just reading the word and being poured into by so many people around us have been definitely a blessing. And um, my family is not a, a Christian family, and I think they've been completely shattered by what happened to us. They're like, not again. Like, th those are the text messages like we're expressing to each other. They're like, what are you talking about? And some of them are very shy to ask, like, well, aren't, like, aren't you a Christian? Aren't only good things supposed to happen to you? Yeah. And it's like, reality, it, it's not. It doesn't work that way. And whoever told you that it did, yeah. well, shame on them. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not a reality. And some people walk away from faith because, yeah. you know, they, things happen. And I think my family was, like, ready for me to do that. And I, I think it's, it hasn't happened yet, but I want to have that testimony with them that one day they'll remember and cling to it because I have that, obviously, hope in my heart that they will be saved one day. And um, um, overall, I want to say that uh, we've been so much stronger as a relationship, as in a marriage um, through that. It's been such a joy to, like, even go through these valleys, but still... We're, you know, we're, we understand each other so much better. We, uh, we keep each other accountable. You know, like, hey, did you see a doctor? Like, do, are you taking a meds? Just all of these things. And one of the challenges that we are still facing is um, the, the um, children. We don't know if we one day can have them or we're not allowed to have them yet um, because of the chemo um, consequences. But... We are still praying for that and still hoping for that. And um, we're still in the, you know, aftermath yeah. of the big yeah. storm, so to speak. Um, but we are hoping. We know that since God carried him through, carried us through, there's no other thing that he can't bear, you know. Amen. Amen. So him. <laughs> Amen. Is there one thing that you would say which I hate to even ask. We asked um, Paula and Rogerio last week, the next time the big storm comes, the struggle, what will you maybe do differently or how will you walk through that as a result of what you've already experienced? Yeah, um, when you sent us an email with that question, I was like, I'm ready to answer. <laughs> I have one. Um, in our uh, women's group, um, it was it was the book challenged me. We, we do like a study book, and also one of the ladies um, challenged me as well. It's like you need to ask for help. Mm. You can't just go through it alone and be like, I'm my own family maker. Like none of that matters in the church. It's not a place to be that. You have to let people come around you and ask for help, even though it's sometimes humiliating. Like I can't cook dinner today. I'm so tired. Can you bring something over? Um, so I'll do that next time. Be just practical and let the family come around. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, whether in your native tongue or in English, uh, would you guys just pray for um, our church family?
Uh, sure. Actually, uh, can you guys also join us in prayer? So I'm used yeah. to praying, but like with other people as well, praying like I can lead, but that you guys join as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's an invitation for it to be out loud, not just yes. really joining <laughs> in the spirit yes. of prayer. But um, and I think that you praying for them. I mean, they just offered a prayer request um, in the midst of their testimony. They're still in the aftermath of the storm, um, and so maybe you could be praying in their direction, but also praying in your own storms. But just want to make sure that you feel empowered um, in whatever language you feel comfortable praying in, please. And also thankful that Foster's sister could be here today and um, praying over her as well um, on this Mother's Day as she is a mother, but also um, grieving the loss of her own. I, I'm feeling that for you. So we'll also pray for her as well. And my beautiful niece that's wrecking yeah, havoc upstairs. She's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, you guys go ahead. All right. uh, Lord, we come uh, before you this morning, God, just thanking you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these vulnerable conversations. Thank you, Lord, for just transparency. Thanking you, Father God, for just tearing down the, the, the dams of, of just barriers that we put up, just tearing down the, the, just the walls that we put up, Father God. I'm, I'm grateful, Father God, for just this morning, Father God. I pray, God, that joy can be a choice, that joy can be an overwhelming just blessing that comes for you, Father God, and we, we, that we can learn, Father God, to, to separate the joy from the circumstance, Father God, that our joy will not come from the circumstance, but will come from you, Father God, that you will be enough, that you will be our sustenance, that you, Father God, will be the reason our cup overflows, Father God, and not that the joys of, of the good news or the joys of the circumstances or anything, Father God, but that our cup overflows because of you, Father God, because of your blessings, because of your, your comfort, because of your love, because of your promises, Father God, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that, that we can just hold on to what it means to, to, to choose joy this morning, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord, that we as a body can hold each other accountable, Father God. Lord, with our friendships, with our relationships, with our, with our hardships, Father God, that we can seek one another out, Father God, and just have that love, Lord, to comfort, to be there, to, to bring a hot meal to somebody, when, when they, whether they need it or not, Father God, to express that, Lord. I just think I'm just grateful for our family this morning, God, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you guys just join me in thanking them for being honest with us this morning and sharing truth? All right, let me let me just let me just end the teaching portion of it with this. Let's go back real quick, Philippians one verse seven. I want you guys to, to tie this testimony into what we've shared this morning. Philippians 1, 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Now, this is what I want you guys to understand. He's reminding them of why he loves them so deeply and it's because he's tasted the grace of God, like this undeserved, what we're using this morning, reckless Love, And then listen to what he goes on. Both in my imprisonment, which we've been through Acts, we know Paul spent a lot of time in prison. And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And listen to this. He, for God is my witness, I have yearned for you all with the, the affections of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul does not do this very often. There was a generation, the Billy Graham generation, that did the God is my witness statements a lot. Like, God is my witness. I didn't take the last cookie out of the jar, right? That was, I was like, a, it may have been a colloquialism in my mom's family, but um, God is my witness, or um, what is the phrase she likes to say? 
God forbid, you know, it's like I, I could say, Mom, my windshield wiper flew off. Oh, God forbid, you know. I'm like, no, it actually did. You can't forbid it. It flew off the car, right? Um, but, that's, but there's a generation of us in our thinking that we can't ask God to be our witness. But there are moments where, like today with Lana and Fausto, is they can say to you, as God is my witness, I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this is where I think we need to end today. And this is what you need to understand. And we learned this in Acts, and I had a slide designed for this, and it says, Paul's love here didn't begin in his own heart. As we discovered in the series last year in Acts, especially 9, 1, and 2, it began with the reckless love of Jesus Christ. Paul's ability to love in Philippians was not his ability. He received the love from Christ, he saw the love from Christ. He experienced the love of Christ, and he didn't, he didn't ever want to step away from it. He wanted to stay tied into it. And so this yearn, this love, this desire that he had for other people wasn't his that he was giving away. It's the portion that he had received from Christ that he was now giving away. And I think that's so important for us is that we understand that Christ's love for us was reckless. Not reckless like in a bad, like he showed no maturity, it was no decision-making, he just jumped in a car and drove and just was reckless. No. The recklessness is, is that he knew all the obstacles he was going to face. He knew all of the pain he was going to experience. He knew the cost that was involved, and he kept talking to his Father in heaven about it, but yet he continued to do it because he knew that all the pain that that cross represented was not the end game. The end game was the hope on the other side, which was us. And not just hope for us to have salvation, but was for hope for us to be filled with the affection of Christ that allowed him to go through that so that we could do it for other people. It's like it's not just for us to be eternally secure. It is for us to be eternally secure and live in that eternity today. And so we get the hope of Christ, the joy of heaven, and I can just say, Father, I want that joy, and I can choose it despite my circumstances, despite cancer, despite the loss of family, despite joblessness, despite injustices for skin color and education, Because he wants Paul to the Philippians. Paul wanted and called out in prayer for their love to abound. And that's the call for us to today. Is we want our love to abound in our city, in our family, in our church. And so today, I think the thing I need to say to us is, is are you willing to consider the possibility that the encounter that you've had with Jesus have been more like knowing facts than experience the love from a person? Are we just collecting facts or have you been loved by a person? And I really would like to see some of you today would be willing to say, you know what, I haven't. I just have been kind of gathering in intel about Christ, but I really want to know him personally. And if that's you, I just think that the first thing that you should understand is that all you need to do is just ask him. You, it doesn't require any performance. 
we're not accepted based upon any of our merits. He loves us just as we are. Remember when he met Paul, he was a murderer, religious snob, and yet angry and desiring to harm others. And God met him there, and now he's writing the Philippians as a changed man. So God can change you. I, don't, I hope none of you are murderers in here. Um, if you are, would you please turn yourself in? Um, but yet and realize that you can turn to Christ as well. Um, but I also want to say to us today that you need to, we need to thank him. All of us can thank him for what he's done. Um, there are many reasons that we have to rejoice, and he can remove any barrier that might seem like a stumbling block. And then we need to figure out what it looks like to plant water and weed. And I'm going to invite our worship team up because I think we do need to sing through this pain. We need to go back to where we were before we started to teach and it became really real that people are walking in darkness again. Um, We have the Lord's table. It's going to be available to us. For those of us that believe in Christ, the table is a great remembrance of how we can step into joy because of Christ. It's because of his great love. Now I can love you well and you can love me well and we can begin to walk in God's unity. But yet we have to learn to discipline ourselves to see the truth in us. So where are you getting your information? Like, are you reading the scriptures? Are you listening to music that will literally water and fill your soul? Or are you falling short in that area? I also think that we need to make sure that we understand that God has given us a church family so that we can get to know people like that have been on the stage today and that have been sitting next to you so that we can continue to encourage each other to never stop pursuing our love for Jesus Christ. So today, if you've never placed your trust in Christ, I would ask that you would, so you would do so. And we're going to have people with lanyards around the room that you can go to and you can share your prayer needs with them. They can pray over you, as well as if you want to tell them, hey, I, I've just prayed to, to ask Christ to be a loving person in my life and they can help you understand that gift. Um, but then the rest of us, The Lord's table is open and available to us, and we need to be able to come to the table, look each other in the face, and remind each other that it was his body that was broken and his blood that was poured out, and that he is coming again, I think is important. So let's pray. Father, as we respond today, Father, we thank you for the fact that the originator of joy is Christ, the sustainer of joy is Christ, the giver of joy is Christ. And I can celebrate joy because of Christ. And I can give joy because of Christ. And so, Lord, as Paul experienced Christ in the midst of his pain, Father, would we continue to learn to show Christ through ours. And we love you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.